looks like it's probably going to be close to 96 bushels per acre. Our previous record at 85.5. Now sometimes when everybody else runs, you should walk, so it's not always bad to be contrary-minded. And it's been so dry, and the crops have sucked out so much moisture that they could handle five inches of rain, and no tile run whatsoever. Good day, and welcome to Wheat Beats Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, August the 24th. On this episode of The Word, edible bean harvest is underway. The wheat trials are available. Huh, two things we need to put together. A few idiosyncrasies in this wheat crop we need to talk about. A couple of quick environmental things to talk about. Soil types and the impact of rain, some liquid manure things. Then soil test. Some really excellent questions that I'll address that I think will help you understand how soil test works and how to apply that to make fertility recommendations. At the end, a couple of specifics that have come in as well. Let's go! Yes! Edible bean harvest underway. So make sure you give us your yields, your quality. Really intrigued. We're just getting started. Looks okay, but not awesome. Would like more information if we can. And wheat. So first off, for goodness sakes, report your yields. It's the 24th of August today. The deadline is September the 1st. Only about 50% of the yields have been reported. I want to know what the new record yield is. Looks like it's probably going to be close to 96 bushels per acre. Our previous record at 85.5, but we won't know till you get those yields reported into agriculture get that job done September 1st the deadline by the way Ray on the North Shore saying Peter we've got some rain up here the drought is broken that's a very consistent message in Ontario the drought is broken that's good Ray saying the winter wheat was amazing but the barley is only two-thirds of normal really great test weight well it just shows you in terms of the temperature impact the timing of water how that plays that's why winter wheat always doesn't matter where I go in the world why winter crops out yield spring crops because they head earlier they escape the heat. They use the spring moisture more effectively. Your barley, the great test weight, Ray, that's normal. Under a dry year, we would expect high test weight. So on the wheat trials, www.gocereals.ca, gocereals.ca, a couple of things that I'll note. First off, soft white winter wheat. It really comes down to it's Ava or it's Ava. From the varieties that are out there, man, we really were hoping there would be other soft whites out there. 25W31 had some stripe rust issues. It just doesn't look like it has the yield punch of Ava. Venture is the other one. There's some growers who had excellent yield results with it, but boy, it got stripe rust like crazy. So it really comes down to in Ontario, it's either Ava as a soft white or it's Ava. On the hard red winter front, Priestley and Gallus really own that category so those are the varieties in the special categories what's interesting is that there is zero I repeat zero premium on either soft white winter or hard red winter now hopefully P&H they've always come out with a program in the fall for hard red winter it isn't announced yet they think they're going to do something so pay attention there but gosh why would you grow either soft white winter or hard red winter at zero premium soft white has more risk from a sprouting potential and hard red we need to put on more nitrogen to get that protein so both of them add some cost you need to make protein in hard red winter to access any premiums that are out there so really 
If you're going to go to the field as of today's pricing and looking at 2017 crop, you're going to plant either soft white or hard red. And again, hopefully a program comes out on hard red. But gosh, you really have to be contrary minded because there's just no premium in the marketplace. Now, sometimes when everybody else runs, you should walk. So it's not always bad to be contrary minded. On the soft white front, I'm a little worried though because we have such a huge supply. The mills could almost lock up enough soft white for two years supply. If they did that, having soft white next fall, eh, maybe it'll be struggling to get any value out of that. But it's all up to you. I just throw that out there for my thought process. Okay, on the soft red front, I'm not going to talk about the soft red varieties right now. I will maybe do that next week. Or if you have questions about specific varieties, when you look at the performance trials, please remember that we have both the managed trials and the unmanaged trials. If you go to, say, example, table one, they weren't sprayed with fungicides and really when you look at table one, it's just a stripe rust trial. I really don't like that data this year. You need to go to table 1A or table 2A or table 3A and look at the managed varieties, the yield results there because 95% of the wheat in Ontario now gets sprayed with at least one fungicide. That's really what we're doing in the managed portion of those trials or the fungicide sprayed. So look at that data. That's where you're going to get the best information. All right, move on quickly. And yes, the drought is broken. So really two cool things happening. First off, a lot of producers pretty excited about how the soybeans are responding to the rainfall. That's great. I hope we have an amazing soybean crop. I still think there's enough tough soybeans or zero yield soybeans, Niagara Peninsula, Eastern Ontario, Central Ontario. I doubt that we're going to get over average for the soybean yield across the province. But what's really intriguing, Donald up at Udney calls in and says, five inches of rain in about a four day period. Totally dry all summer, five inches of rain, his tiles don't run at all. He's on a sandy loam soil and it's been so dry and the crops have sucked out so much moisture that they could handle five inches of rain and no tile run whatsoever. Meanwhile, Nick at Strathroy, I just forget exactly how much rain Nick got, but it was two inches or somewhere in that range, I believe. He's on a heavy clay soil. As soon as he got that rain, the tile started to run. Why is that? Because on his heavy clay soil, the cracks open up. You get that downpour of rainfall before the cracks can close, some water shoosh down to that tile, out the tile, and it just shows you in terms of environmental impacts, the phosphorus moving in the tile, and how we manage the different soil types to minimize that environmental impact and also to maximize the water use efficiency and our fertility management so that we actually get the most out of our fertilizer. It's really tough to make one recommendation for all Ontario soils that actually works. So just a little thought process there about how that how tough that is. Liquid manure, a caller fairly adamant that I mentioned the smell of liquid manure. So we did talk last update about handling liquid manure or two updates ago and whether you needed to break those continuous pores. Remember the clay I just talked about? If you had liquid manure on that soil surface, on a clay soil, it could go right to the tile with that thunderstorm. That is a bit of an issue. His comment was, man, remember your neighbors. You leave that liquid manure on the surface, it can smell for a week or 10 days and that's brutal. I don't disagree.
disagree at all. Remember your neighbors. If you're going to spread liquid manure and you have neighbors, particularly urban neighbors that live very close, it's really nice to at least drop a note in their mailbox saying we have to spread manure. We're going to do it whenever. It's best if you can incorporate it from a smell perspective. If you're not going to recognize that doing it, you know, on the Friday before a long weekend, that's just stupid. So I think we have to keep that in mind. So excellent reminder there. Okay, want to move into soil test. And first off, it is a great time to soil test. The wheat's off, the spring cereals are off, or the hay crop. There's enough moisture now that you can actually get the probe in the ground if you've been having trouble doing that. So make sure you get that job done. But Stephen called in and said, Peter, my friend said that in a dry year, you always get lower phosphorus and potash numbers. And is that true? Because I soil sampled my soil after my wheat crop, as I always do, and my potash, it dropped 50 points over the last three years. Corn, soybean, wheat rotation. I Three years ago, I broadcast 400 pounds of MAP to bring that phosphorus test up. The phosphorus fairly constant, if I understood the, the message correctly, Stephen, the phosphorus fairly constant, but the potash 50 points down over just three years. Now, on the potash front, Stephen only applies 50 pounds of potash in his corn starter, and I'm not sure if that's product potash or that's actual potash, but let's do the math really quickly. So, we remove, let's say, 190 pounds of potash over that three-year period in the crop removal. You'd have to do that calculation, but 190 to 200, if you're growing good crops, that's sort of in the game of removal. If you're actually putting on 50 pounds of actual in your corn starter potash, so 190 minus 50 gives me 140 pounds that I've removed that I haven't replaced. 20 pounds of potash is one part per million. So if you removed 140 out, 20 pounds per point, that's seven parts per million. So for it to drop 50 points, that's really unlikely. Now I know, Stephen, you're sand, and so leaching can be an issue as well, and that's another issue in terms of trying to manage this, this potash soil test, the phosphorus soil test, although phosphorus doesn't leach very much, but the potash could have leached, so that is a potential as well, but for it to drop 50 points, really, really unlikely. Doubt that's happened. And the reality is, if it's super dry, potash levels will be lowered. We get a lot of potash that gets tied up in the clay content or in the organic matter and just isn't in the soil solution under those really dry conditions. So at the end of the day, super dry, I would say go out now. We've had some rainfall. Resample. See if you're still 50 points lower because there's no way it dropped that 50 points. David on the potash front said, okay, so I want to go out there and we have areas in our fields where we want to put on a lot of potash because we're very low in, in soil test potash. We have other farms that are really quite good, but I've been told I can't put on more than 300 pounds per acre of product potash because I'll run into some issues. But on my heavy clay soils where I'm super low in potash, why can't I put on 500 pounds per acre? I get the 300 pounds per acre. It's a leaching issue on the sand and I shouldn't do it all in once because then it leaches it and it's not as available as if I do it a little bit more regularly on that sand soil. But what about that heavy clay? So the answer is if you're summer applying potash on anything beyond a sandy loam, if you're on a silt loam all the way up to heavy clay, you can put on 400 pounds. Peter did that on his own clay loam farm at Lucan a couple of weeks ago, 400 pounds of potash, one application for three years because that's how I do it. And that is absolutely fine. Salt index would be an issue in the spring, but because we have winter, all the chloride will leach out, the potash will stay, and life will be good. So David, on the heavy clays, you can go to 500 pounds per acre. It will, of course, affect your pocketbook, but in terms of crop injury, no. In terms of availability, it's all good. It's not 
going to go away. And, and David, I actually don't care if you plow it or don't plow it. Tillage in that situation really is of no issue whatsoever. On the sand soils, however, be a little bit careful because in particular, if you are low magnesium and you whack on three, four, five hundred pounds of potash, you can actually induce some mag magnesium deficiency in next year's crop. So on sand soil, two things happen. One is leaching. The other is watch your magnesium levels. And so on sand soils, probably staying 300 pounds or less is the best strategy and applying it twice in that three-year period if you need to add more potash. But as far as, as the salt index summertime, no, that's a not issue on the sand as well. All right, carry on and just talk quickly about sulfur. So again, Stephen applied 60 pounds of elemental sulfur over the last three years. No increase in his sulfur soil test. And so he's wondering why that hasn't increased. He's hoping to build up his soil sulfur bank account so he doesn't have to apply so much in the spring on his wheat crop or in his corn crop. Let that elemental sulfur release and feed the crop from what's the cheapest sulfur source, elemental sulfur. So I'm actually, Stephen, not at all surprised it didn't change the soil test. So let's think about this. The soil test does not measure total sulfur. It measures available sulfur. Elemental sulfur comes available at about 5% per year. That's Tiger 90 just because of its grind and, and the way that that works, 5% per year, which means that 60 pounds gives you about 3 pounds available at any given time in the, in the soil. So that 3 pounds of sulfur, if it takes 20 pounds to move the soil test one part per million, and I don't know with sulfur, is it 20 pounds, is it 15, is it 30? But 20 pounds is generally a pretty decent number. You got 3 pounds, it takes 20 to move that soil test a part per million. No, not at all surprised you didn't find it. Are building that sulfur bank account, no question. Is 60 pounds over 3 years enough? Ah, maybe not, but at least you are working that way for sure. On that note, another caller with new alfalfa, summer seeded alfalfa, and he's saying, okay, Peter, tell me what to do with soil fertility. My soil test ranges on potash from a 106 to a 185. And actually, I'm surprised my 106, that's lower than normal. I'm normally 120 to 150. Well, fair enough. We talked a little bit about dry years and seeing those lower potash levels. But with alfalfa, really want to see at least a 120. And 150 is probably better. New seeded alfalfa, yep, 100 pounds, 200 pounds of potash this fall is not going to go amiss in that situation. It's not like you're excessive on potash. And it should help with stand establishment and winter survival as well. You also asked about sulfur. 50 pounds of elemental sulfur applied this fall is likely going to help you through the next two production years. We sort of think 50 pounds does two years. The only issue, again, as I talked about with that elemental sulfur, it's only about 5% available, give or take. So in the first cut, because it doesn't get out of the organic matter very quickly and we don't get that breakdown very quickly in the first cut, if you're really sulfur deficient or on wheat, if you're really sulfur deficient, you just don't get it early enough. There, we may still have to apply some sulfate sulfur in the spring. All right, finish up here really quickly. Neonics on earthworms, a caller asking if there's any science out there that say the neonicotinoid seed treatments have an impact on the earthworm population. I haven't seen any science around that. I have asked the expert. They happen to be on vacation. I will tell you more if I can find out any more in the next upcoming updates. And last question was around Phragmites and trying to control Phragmites, of course, a really invasive grass. It's coming along his laneway. He put glyphosate on it and really did not think it controlled it at all. So right out the gate, Phragmites has such a massive rhizome root system that 
one application or one time hitting it is not going to be good enough. And it mostly takes about a 5% solution. I know in the book it says that a 2% solution of glyphosate, 2% glyphosate in the entire volume to, to control Phragmites. Lots of people t think it needs 5% glyphosate. Glyphosate does have Phragmites on the label. The other product that's probably even a little better than glyphosate is a product called Arsenal. And the active ingredient is Imazapir. It's a pricey product, but if you're only trying to control it along the laneway and spot treat it, I think you might want to buy a jug of that and try. Remember though, repeated applications, it will take you several years to actually get on top of that weed. It's just ugly because of that massive root system. All right, that's it. That's all on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com. This is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, August the 24th. Hey, keep the messages coming and get ready to plant wheat. Call in your yields and tell me how those edible beans are doing. We'll be back next Wednesday. Talk to you then. Bye now.